The Lord be with you and welcome to our virtual room where we believe the Holy Spirit is opening the eyes of our understanding and bringing us to this full life that is in Jesus Christ. I want to read a couple of passages. Um, they're longer than what I would call a text, but I really want you to hear what Jesus was saying. It's in that time when Jesus was in the upper room just before he went to his sufferings and death and resurrection. And in the upper room, he begins to introduce them to what life will be like after he's risen from the dead and after he's ascended and the Holy Spirit has come that is the new creation, the new birth, this newness of life that he died and rose again to bring. And so he takes from actually John chapter 13 through 14 through 15 and 16. And then in chapter 17, he prays that great prayer for us. But those chapters are outlining in almost a shorthand form what it's going to be like when we are the persons who come into this experience of walking in the Spirit, Christ in us, the hope of glory, and fellowshipping with the Father through Him. And He's telling them in that day, in that day, He's telling them of what we now call this day now of the Gospel. So I want to read two passages from that very long conversation that he had. The first is John chapter 14 and verse 19. Now, listen very carefully. Uh, this is one of those passages, people have read it and read it and read it and not really heard it. Okay, Jesus said, after a little while, the world will behold me no more, but you believers will behold me because I live, you shall live also. The first statement that this Christian life is participating in, sharing in the life that Jesus rose from the dead with, the life that had overcome death, overcome sin and Satan. And that life was his life and he shares it with us. Because I live, you shall live also. In that day, the day of the new life brought to us through the Holy Spirit, in that day, listen, you, believer, shall know, and the word there means intimately know, know by experience, know that I am in my Father. That is the absolute, shall I say, limitless union that Jesus, the Son of God, has with the Father. And, he said, you, believers, in me. And so we, participating in, sharing in most intimately the life of Jesus that he has in the Father. And then he says, and I in you. He would come through the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. He said, you'll know that, you'll experience that in that day. Then he went on. He who has my commandments and keeps them 
He it is who loves me. Notice that very carefully. The person who loves me, he said, is the one who has my commandments and keeps them. And he who loves me, in that fashion, shall be loved by my Father. And I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. And Judas, that's not Judas Iscariot, another Judas, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we will come to him and make our abode with him. So the Holy Trinity would take up residency within us. But again he says that the person who loves him, Jesus, will keep my word. Remember he's already said the one who loves him has his commandments and keeps them. Think about that. Now just to understand even further he goes on he who does not love me does not keep my words. Okay, and then in John chapter 15, which is the, in the first verses, the story of the vine and the branches, in verse 8, he said, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So a disciple according to that, is one who bears the fruit of the Holy Trinity living within them. Just as the Father has loved me, I also loved you. Abide or take up residency in my love. Live on a 24-7 basis. Live. It's where, you, where your home is. It's your address. You live in my love, he said. Then he goes on. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will have a continual residency in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and have continual residency in his love. Now all of this, these things, I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. Okay, so he is saying that the person who loves him keeps his word, keeps his commandments, and that person is loved not only by Jesus, but by the Father, and through the Holy Spirit, the Trinity takes up residence within us. And in that fashion, keeping his commandments, producing fruit, we abide in, we have residency in his love. And out of that, our joy is, his joy is in us and our joy is made full. So what is Jesus talking about? These commandments, his word kept, and in the keeping of his commandment, 
then we live in his love and know his love what is this the last sentence of these verses i'm reading this is my commandment ah so he's been talking about my commandment my commandment my commandment my word now he gives it to us this is my commandment that you love one another just as i have loved you and so he is saying if you put all that together if you love me said jesus you will keep my commandment my commandment is that you love one another and so loving him is loving one another and when we love one another which is loving him and loving the father we experience the love of the father and the love of jesus the holy spirit produces the fruit of love within us and our joy in god is made full to overflowing now that is eternal life eternal life is not merely that we live forever quite frankly if, if eternal life is a quantity of time that's rather boring simply to live forever but eternal life is not merely a quantity of time eternal life is a quality of life it's a god quality and in john 17 3 he uses some of these expressions we've just been talking about he said this is eternal life he gives us the definition this is eternal life what is it it is that you may know the father and jesus christ whom he has sent and that word know is at the head of the passages we just read it means that intimate knowledge that knowing the love of and, and responding in love which we've just discovered the response we make to the father and the son saying i love you is that i love one another i love my fellow uh, human beings around me that's simple that is the simplest statement of the christian life we have made it so difficult we 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 instruct new converts do we not i say we i, I was raised in this that that when a person comes to the lord they are immediately told now that you you have come to the lord you you love the lord and how do you love the lord well you study the bible every day and you pray every day for so long and, and you go to meetings every time the church is open and just a minute just a minute jesus didn't say that now i believe in reading the bible and I believe in studying the Bible, and I believe in hearing the Word of God in the Bible, and I believe in prayer. Yes, yes, yes. But he said that the mark of a believer, the way in which we live, take up residency in the love, the, the personal, present, now, intentional love of God toward us, is that we love one another. Okay. Uh, that that's in a nutshell but but now look a little bit deeper into what i've said he said this is uh, the mark by this shall all men know that you are my disciples that you have loved one for another and we read there in john 15 that this bringing forth the fruit of love is the way that you prove that you're a disciple that is the world outside has been given permission by jesus 
to come and look at us and see if we are his disciples. And that's what it's saying. The world has got a right. The world has been given that right by Jesus to come look at us, see our relationship to each other, and by that would say, yes, these people are his disciples, or these people are not. That, that's pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy. Uh, and yet it is so simple. He didn't give us great long formulas. He didn't say that if you do this and do that and do the other, and here's 15 other commandments to keep, and if you give up this and give up that and stop doing that, then, no. He reduced it to one radical but so simple statement that if you love me, if you love me, then you will keep my command, and my command is that you love others in the same way that I have loved you. And in that glorious union of his loving us, we loving others with the same love that he loved us, he said you will be caught up into the love of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit, you'll be dancing with the Holy Trinity, and that's called eternal life, here and now, in this present moment. This is what he's saying. This is his disciples. You see, and there's no second class. You, you might have been around uh, certain people who, who talk of a deeper life, and, and they talk about going on with God, or another is uh, paying the price. Uh, there's a lot of other things like that. Uh, as if, well, you're a Christian, you see, but, but you're not all the way yet. You've got to get deeper. You've got to get serious about this. Well, in the Scripture, Jesus only spoke of one kind of disciple. And that one kind of disciple, sort of disciple 101, was one who had residency in the love of God. And that residency in the love of God was not only receiving love from God, but giving that love away to those within my circle, my world. And so he is saying that a, a normal, regular disciple, the person who now is just beginning to show life in Christ, and they're beginning to be a toddler and walk in Christ, how do you know? How do you know that these people ha have seen and heard the gospel? Well, he said, they keep my command. And my command is that we love one another just the same way that he, Lord Jesus, has loved us. And if you read through the letters of the New Testament, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, it, they begin somewhere in the early verses. You, you'll read something like, that we have heard of your faith and your love. That, that's fascinating to me. Paul wrote to these believers, some of them that he'd never actually met, but he said, wherever I go, people are talking about you guys, so I'm writing to you. And when they talk about you, they, they tell us of your faith in Jesus and your love one to another. So I know I found a bunch of Christians and I'm writing to you. That's the mark, you see. That's the mark. 
They're believers, and therefore believers, 101, are those who trust in the love that God has to them, and they now, through the power of the Spirit, are loving one another, even as Jesus has loved them. And it's this simple truth that undergirds the New Testament that so many believers have missed. This is the basic truth, that loving God and knowing Him is inseparable from obeying the one command Jesus gave, and that is to love one another. And so it is as we love one another that I am loving God. And in my loving one another, I experience the joy of participation in the love of God to the whole world. And we have the joy of dwelling in his presence. I mean, think of it. As I reach out with the love of Jesus in me to love another human being, I am in fact loving God. The, the one loving God is the other, loving my fellow human beings, and specifically those who are in the family of God. To love God is expressed, is seen in loving one another. Now, if I apply this to many groups of believers, um, I, I would get some shocked faces. I, I know that. Because, quite frankly, there are many believers who have never faced up to this fact. Uh, it, it's, it's the Pharisee mentality that will put down a hundred rules, make regulations on the keeping of the rules, and say, therefore, look, I keep all the rules, therefore I love God. Uh, and, and God says, no. All I'm asking is receive my love, unconditional love, unearned love, love that is sheer gift. Receive it. And in receiving it, give it away and love one another as I have loved you. And therein is this wide open secret of living, taking residency in the love of God. But of course, Jesus put it in the negative too, because, and he often did that in order for us to see not only this is what it is, but to, to understand this is what it isn't. And he made it plain, if we do not love one another, then we don't know the love of God to us. You, you understand? Uh, and I found this so often true. A person will come and say, I just don't, I don't feel that God loves me. I don't know that God could love me. And, and it isn't long before we find out that they have persons that they hold in unforgiveness. They, they, they hold barriers between them and others and they're caught up in gossiping and slander and malicious talk about others. And that they want a private a private line between them and God that has nothing to do with anybody else. No, it isn't looking within to see if I feel the love of God. It's not looking inside me to see if I'm experiencing the love of God. It is I trust his love and now begin to give that love to others. And in that action of faith, where my relationship to God and my relationship to others are all caught up in his love, then 
The love of God is no longer a marginal fact of life. It, it, it's no longer words that are devoid of meaning in this real world of dog-eat-dog dog and get what you deserve. Now I've discovered the love of God and I discovered the love of God. I discovered it is real when I begin to give it away. And in giving it away, I am bringing into my world this love purpose of God. He said, love one another as I have loved you. Well, then the first thing I should ask is how indeed did Jesus love us? Love the disciples, love those persons we read of in the Gospels, and then by extension right down to you and I as we listen tonight. What, 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 what is it, this, this love? Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. You see, from the very beginning, way back to Moses in the first books of the Bible, that it was, we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And therein is the seed of this. But love one another as I have loved you, that goes infinitely beyond loving my neighbor as myself. This is the unique love the God love that came into our physical, material, human world in the person of Jesus. Jesus is God from God. Jesus then is the Word, the explaining, the uh, unfolding of, of the love of God. And it's saying that that love now in us not merely love my neighbor as myself but that love the love of god revealed in jesus now in me to others so what 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 is that love of jesus the first thing that stands out and i, and I hope you can get what i'm saying here jesus love he loved God the Father. It says that all through. Jesus loved God the Father. But if you ever noticed this, it was not a vertical love. It's what I was talking about a moment ago. It was not a love of Jesus for the Father that just went up and back to the Father. It isn't, Jesus was not a guru sitting on the top of a mountain having a private experience of the Father. The Father loved him and Jesus sent the love back. And the Father loved him and Jesus experienced the love and sent the love back. No, you won't find that in the Gospels. Quite the reverse. Uh, Jesus lived the better part of his life as the carpenter of Nazareth to the point where those who lived his neighbors rubbing shoulders with him doing business with him they could not believe that he was the Messiah and they were the ones who said basically who does he think he is we know him he's just the carpenter of Nazareth that's how normal Jesus was that's how ordinary God was when he took to himself our humanity and so you don't have 
this uh, separated person, this guru on the mountaintop, who's having a private experience and, and loving the Father all by himself up there. Think about it. And you'll think about it a lot more in a minute. Um, what you have is, yes, he knew the Father's love. He experienced the Father's love, but he always came down from the mountaintop in order to give it away to everyone in forgiving their sins, in healing their sick, in delivering them from Satan and telling them that what I'm doing to you now, what I'm saying to you now, the Father gave it to me. The Father told me to say this and do this, so I'm coming to share it with you. Even when he spent all night in prayer, um, he didn't then sleep all day, all night in prayer, but he was there in the midst of the multitude the very next morning. Uh, when, when a time he wanted to get away, he was so exhausted, you remember, and he gets in the boat and they go across Galilee, uh, but the people watched where the boat went and they went to meet him. And, and so they'd hoped to get away just for an hour or two alone, but no, the people are waiting on the shore. And it says when he saw them, he was moved with compassion. So Jesus did not have just a vertical love relationship to the Father. It was a vertical relationship, but one that went then out horizontally to meet love, love, love in all its expressions and facets to everyone in his path. And what upset most people in the Gospels was that he gave this love um, very, what shall I say, handed it out to, in handfuls to everybody, if you could use that way of talking. And the way he put it was that this God love was poured out upon the just and the unjust. And of course, uh, people like the, the elder brother in the parable says that's not fair. In fact, there's more than one parable that would say it's not fair. Why, why, why do you love the just and the unjust? I, I can see you loving the just, but I don't see it that you love the unjust, but that's the love of God. And, and so Jesus ate, sat down and ate food with tax collectors. And I've told you before that eating in that day and in third world countries today, eating is a lot more than having food. Eating is a, a binding together. It's uh, coming into a union with those you're eating with, standing in solidarity with them, declaring to the world that you're with them and you're for them. And Jesus sat down with the tax collectors, which were at the lowest end uh, of society in terms of morals. They, they were the uh, scum of the earth. They, they were the richest people in town and the most hated because they had sold out to their own people, given themselves to the Roman army of occupation and come back to their own people to take exorbitant taxes out of them and add a little bit for themselves hated, despised, and Jesus sat down publicly with them and, and, and said, I'm their friend. And that was one of the sneering titles that his enemies gave to him, that he's the friend 
uh, tax collectors and sinners. Ah, but we've also forgotten sometimes he sat down and ate public meals with Pharisees. And the Pharisees were that religious uh, elite group who had set themselves against Jesus. They, they stood for everything Jesus didn't. And you would have thought, well, I mean, we've got it into our heads by the 21st century that, yes, he came for sinners. But then why would he sit down with Pharisees? Uh, why, why would he sit down with people that were going to be and actually were at a, uh, in, in back alleys and hidden rooms? They were already discussing how to kill him. And yet he sat down and said, I, I'm for you. I'm, I'm with you. Now, th this is love. Th this is love that could sit down and declare solidarity and statement of being with you with every kind of person. And, and, and that means Jesus could see through the masks. You know, the, the masks we wear so that nobody will really see what's on the inside of us. You know what I mean. The first people to wear the mask were in the Garden of Eden, fig leaves, cover, so people don't see who I really am. And we've become so much more sophisticated today, but we've got masks, and behind the masks we've built walls to hide even from our own selves the chaos of brokenness and pain and grief and sorrow that is found within us. And, and, and here we are. We, we act in certain ways. We lash out in certain ways. We do certain things because it's all part of the masks and the walls that we have built because of the shame that we see within us. The, the lies that we believe, lies about God, lies about ourselves, lies about others, illusions. For you see, we, we believed back in the garden, the liar, and that's the heart of sin. And, and, and we go through life until, until the love, the love of God that was made manifest and demonstrated within our humanity in Jesus, love, love has eyes that can see through masks. Love has eyes that can see through the walls we built and love can see into our deepest person. And that love does not come to condemn but comes to heal. Love is like the sunlight entering into the darkness. You remember Matthew, the one who wrote the Gospels? Um, Matthew was a tax collector, and, and he was on the job collecting taxes. And, and every Jew that passed by that receipt of taxes, where everybody had to go and pay their taxes, and, and the Jewish people in their great hatred of the tax collector as they gave their taxes it spit in his face uh, others would turn their back they wouldn't even look at the man they called him a dog a pariah dog less than a human and Matthew was collecting his taxes and the Jews passing through were doing their hatred and Jesus comes to pay his taxes 
only he looked at Matthew in a way that Matthew had never been looked at and he records it in his own gospel in his own writing he said Jesus was passing through and Jesus saw a man named Matthew oh do you understand no one had ever seen a man before they'd seen a dog they'd seen the betrayer they'd seen scum of the earth but when Jesus looked at him Jesus saw right through to his heart he saw a man and said follow me Matthew on that look dropped everything to follow Jesus that's the love of Jesus he sees us for who we are and does not condemn us but speaks into our heart and his sunlight draws forth and gives us life the rich young ruler almost the same thing it said Jesus looking on him loved him that young man walked away and did not receive it but he loved him and that love is described in, in the parables that Jesus said when he said that we, you and I, were like a pearl of great price and he came to find us at the expense of himself giving up everything just to get a hold of us. He describes us as a treasure hidden in a field where it says he would sell everything in order to gain us, which of course he did. He described us as sheep that were lost and he the shepherd ready to come into our wilderness to bring us out like a coin lost in the dirt of the whole house to be turned out just to lay hold of us or a son coming back having squandered a fortune coming back in rags and smelling of filthy pigs and the father running and flinging his arms around him and kissing him all over and saying you are my son this is the love of God the love of God is that the father sent Jesus into the world not to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved even when they crucified him out of the midst of the horrors of crucifixion he said father forgive them they know not what they do the love that Jesus has for us could I put it this way his love is not an unpredictable good mood you don't understand Jesus didn't love us because he was having a good day let that sink in Jesus did not love us on a whim no what you have here is my I tell you what it isn't you see it on the back of cars bumper stickers where it says do random acts of kindness oh doesn't that sound sweet random acts of kindness random random that means something without any foundation means something there's no good reason for it you just do it and I mean if you do random acts of kindness you can also do random acts of unkindness because there's no foundation it just depends on what you're feeling and no God doesn't do anything out of the mood God is who he is he doesn't have moods never is his work or his love a random act of kindness it's an intentional act of love it's never a feeling that comes and goes 
His love is not an act of feeling. His act is an act of will, of intention. And it's expressed always in love, action, and behavior. You see, in today's world, especially here in the West, love often means that fuzzy feeling, you know, that gluey feeling in the head. I'm in love. I, I love. And, and it's a matter of feeling, uh, you know, dancing eyes, gooey eyes, uh, feelings. No, that God's love is a strong love. It's not a romantic love. God's love is always expressed in concrete action that seeks our highest and best, seeks our good. God's love is always expressed in actions of kindness. God's love is always actions that reach down to where we are to bring us up into life. God's love, strong love, unconditional love, never condemning. This is the love that he brings to us. This is the love that we have met in Jesus, that was finally fully expressed in his bloodshedding on the cross and finally declared triumphant in his resurrection. But this is the love that has come to you and I. When we say that God loves us, he loved us. The Father loved us in Jesus. And we know the love of God by looking at Jesus. He is the word of the Father's love. He is the one who explains the Father's love. This is the love. And now he says, love one another as I have loved you. Feel not only the simplicity of this, but feel the weight of this. It is saying that you and I, and please don't, don't leave me now. This is Jesus speaking. And if Jesus said this, then this is what the gospel is. And this is the life that we are called to live in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. We are called to love one another as I, Jesus, have loved you. And in loving one another, in giving the love that he has to us, giving that away to others, and making that love our way of life, it says, you are loving me. You see, it's not just vertical. It's not just, I, I went to this meeting and I had this experience. You see, I had this experience and I love God. I love God. Well, I, I don't doubt your experience, but that experience must now go out horizontally and love one another, not merely dwell introspectively upon how you felt and then try and get the feeling back and try and have a bigger feeling. No, you've experienced the love of God, then begin to love one another in the same way that you are loved and said, Jesus, you will realize you've taken up residency inside the Holy Trinity and your joy has been made full. So this means that this love that we believers are marked with, this love, it's not loving a person because they're likable. 
I mean, if Jesus only loved people who were likable, the gospel would be a very small book. <laughs> uh, no, Jesus loved. It was a decision. He loved. He gave love. Because he is love. And he was giving away the Father's love. And so the because or the reason or the driving force behind our loving one another is that we have received and seen the real love of God in Jesus. Do you, do you understand that? See, if we love by mood, I'm in a good mood, so I'm, I kind of love everybody today. Well, there wouldn't be too many days in a year that you really love anybody. Or if you've got to wait for having this feeling toward people, you know, they feel that you love them. Or, or if you love persons in response to their behavior, you like their behavior, therefore you love them, you see. And when you would think about them, you have all warm, fuzzy feelings. No, I'm sorry, that's not, that, that, that's, that's a love that belongs to the world. It's not altogether bad, but it belongs to the world. And specifically and exaggeratedly, it belongs to the West and specifically the USA. No, um, we, we do not love by mood. We don't love by feeling. We don't love by response to a person's behavior. If, if that's all we've got, we haven't seen the nature of God. He is love. And if he is love, it's not a mood, it's not a feeling, it's his very being. And he doesn't respond to our goodness. He loves us because that's the way he is. And that is the love that has been placed in us through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. We are loved because who God is. And now we love others because of who God is. We pass on to them the love that we've come to rest in. And so, you see, now I, I trust you're understanding this one thing that I'm saying. We do not have a vertical, mystical relationship with God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We, and do you know what I mean by that? See, I was sort of raised with that, sort of. It was nothing compared with what it's become today. But the, the idea was that I had a private experience with God and I felt God and there were certain signs of power or whatever and, and you, you had this experience with God and you would testify uh, uh, you know 10 years ago whatever 5 years ago I, I had this experience with God well yeah I, it was so real I never go back on that experience but the point is that experience with God must not be sort of sent back to him, thanking him for it, and now I want more. That experience with God, that fullness with God, who is God? He's love. And therefore I have been filled with, I've experienced the love of God. And now, 
she's not vertical now it becomes horizontal I am a changed man not because I had a felt experience with God I'm a changed man because that experience caused me to love my fellow human being in the same way that I saw the love of God in Jesus Christ we're joined into God love through the Holy Spirit you see the Holy Spirit is the presence of God love you, you understand we, we believe that, that God is one but the, with, within one God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and when I deal with the Father I deal with God who is love and when I deal with Jesus I deal with God who is love spoken forth the love of God revealed and when I deal with the Holy Spirit I deal with God who is love in action in my life today communicating that love the Holy Spirit I say is the presence of God who is love and let me say this to every believer look into my eyes I am telling you this you who have believed upon Jesus you have the Holy Spirit for there are some out there that would tell you that you haven't yet received the Holy Spirit that it is some further on deeper on mystical yet to come experience you will never stop realizing the greatness and the glory of the Holy Spirit but you could not be a Christian unless you had received the Holy Spirit who opened your eyes to the gospel who made it real that Jesus had risen from the dead the Holy Spirit and Paul said, unless you have the Holy Spirit, you are none of his. And so the, the scripture is plain. You have received the Holy Spirit. He is God working in you, says Philippians 2. He's God working in you to will and to do of the good pleasure of the Lord. And so he is within you. And within you, he is the very strength of God love to do love just that alone could change your life tonight if, if you recognize just realize your body your body believer is the dwelling the temple of the Holy Spirit he does live within you and he is the love of God within you the love of God not only embracing you as he tells you and witnesses in your deepest knowing even if your brain can't get it yet but you know you are loved of God there's a Holy Spirit telling you that he lives in you he's your dearest closest friend when you open your eyes in the morning it's the Holy Spirit who welcomes you to the new day that he's going to share with you when you go to sleep at night it's the Holy Spirit who brings you sleep and fills you as you sleep oh yeah the, the the holy spirit is the love of god present with us and the relationship of the believer to the holy spirit is, is always described in terms of love what does it say romans 5 that the love of god is poured out into our hearts by the holy spirit that's you it's you he's speaking about the love of God is being poured into you right now as I'm speaking he's witnessing with your heart and saying yes 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 
the love of God manifest in them and when it comes to loving others we do that in the strength in the power that the Holy Spirit gives us which incidentally is not explosive power that you you know shake all over the place and no the the love of God the power of the Holy Spirit to love can be very quiet except that you have we sometimes say the grace or the gifting we have the ability to love where in natural I couldn't because in natural I love by mood in natural I love by feeling in natural I love by likability but this is God love that sits down with tax collectors and with Pharisees that that looks at persons that uh, in themselves are of little worth they are certainly get nothing by being with them let alone loving them and yet he's moved with compassion and, and, and loves. And, and when he spoke of loving the unlovable in Colossians chapter 1, I think his verses 9 through 11, he says, Paul is saying, I'm praying for you that you will be strengthened with all might. Very strong words in the Greek language. It means that, that the strength of God who is love will be in-strengthed. That, that you will, will have this infusion of divine strength and it will be in accord with, on the level with, the very love strength of God himself. And the result of that, he said, you, you will be able to have long-suffering toward people. You, you, you will love them and love them and love them and love them. And, and you will have patience which is the ability to stand in life and keep standing and it will be grace to such an extent you will do that the long suffering and the patience you will do that with extreme joyfulness it's the holy spirit who does that you can't even talk about this without the holy spirit jesus in those verses i read he goes right on after that to say and now i'm giving you the holy spirit who will be your enablement to do this. Oh yeah. When we talk about the power of the Spirit, please, I, I, I might be saying things tonight that um, are shocking people. I, I don't know. Um, we, we have identified the power of the Holy Spirit with a gazillion things except loving one another. <laughs> So, so we say we've got the power of the Spirit, we're going out to do miracles and we're going to heal the sick and we're going to... Yeah, but 1 Corinthians 13 says it pretty strong that if you have all the power to do all those things and have not this love one to another which is God loving you, then you're like an empty Coke can being kicked down the street and all you do is make a lot of noise. No, see, the power of God is the power of God love. When Jesus healed the sick, it was not merely to do something that was a great show and made people bug-eyed. Always it says, first of all, he was moved with compassion and healed their sick. He was moved with compassion and taught them. He did everything he did because he loved. And I think the, the great absence of, of healing uh, 
and, and miracles in our churches today is not so much the absence of power, but it's absence of God love. Because the power of God walks down the road of God love. Because God love is powerful. All we can do is sympathize. You see somebody that's in pain or somebody who's hurting, depressed, whatever, and we can sympathize. And sometimes the way we say that we're going to pray for them is almost just giving some, I'll pray for you, meaning, you know, uh, I'll sympathize with you with God. No, God, God love is power love. So when God loves, he acts, he does. And when he speaks, there is the energy of love in his words. And so we, in the Holy Spirit, love one another as he has loved us. And let me say that it goes with the territory, you see. When, when you think about it, that, that God love is a giving love. Well, if that love is inside of me, of its own nature, God love must give himself away through me. And so when you go to the scripture, you find every description of this God love in us is to do with relational behavior. So what is a believer according to Ephesians 4? It's someone that puts off unkindness puts off maliciousness puts off evil speaking and when it says put off it means as if you fling from you a flea-ridden coat disgusting and you don't want it you put it off you put away all unforgiveness and bitterness and seething revenge you put it all off because it doesn't belong to you anymore what are you doing wearing that doesn't belong to you anymore you're a child of God who is love so he says you put on a whole new wardrobe of behaviors by choice by obedience of faith you choose to put on gentleness and kindness forgiving one another even as Christ has forgiven you and you can read the same ideas in Colossians chapter 3 and then, of course, 1 Corinthians 13, and then Galatians 5 and 22. If I had another hour, I'd just read those scriptures to you. They describe this behavior of love, of gentleness, of kindness, which is a choice. No, don't tell me you couldn't help it. Of course you could. You, 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 you choose. You choose to love. We see ourselves, then, as rivers of the Holy Spirit's personal love energy flowing through us to others. We, we see ourselves as conduits or channels of God's love. Or <clears throat> another way, we are actually transmitters of God's love. That we look upon a person and we choose to see them as Jesus sees them. And, and within ourselves, we bless them and we give them from within ourselves the love of Christ. And when we are tempted to, to engage in bitterness and revenge and evil thinking and evil speaking, we choose not to. And we say, Lord Jesus, you are my life. Love this person in me. I choose to let the Holy Spirit reveal your love. And I, I, I choose rather 
to send to them kindness and gentleness and I choose to take them and release them to you I'll not be their judge and their condemner and executioner we we love you say I don't know that I can do this I I, I, I feel there's a I don't have enough love for me, let alone to give away to others. I know exactly how you feel. Do you remember the widow of Zarephath? It's in 1 Kings, what is it? 1 Kings 18, I think. Um, and she was the widow of Zarephath, which was outside of Israel, and therefore she didn't really have any true knowledge of God. But the Lord had chosen her to feed Elijah, and in so doing be fed herself. Do you remember the story? And Elijah comes and she's out gathering sticks. And he said to her, I'd like a cup of water. And she goes to get the cup of water and he said, and while you're at it, uh, cook me a, a pancake. And she turns around and she says, there's only enough flour left in the bin and only enough oil left in the bottle to make one cake and that's for me and my son and after that we're going to die because we have nothing else I'm gathering sticks to make the fire to make our last meal there's nothing else and there's a famine in the land and a drought and, and we're going to die and Elijah said go and make that pancake for me and as you make it for me, there'll always be enough meal in the barrel and oil in the jar to feed all three of us. We will never run out. And that woman believed the word of God in Elijah's mouth, which is amazing considering who she was. And she went and she made the cake for Elijah and brought it to him. By the time she got back, there was enough flour and enough oil to make a cake for her and her son. And there was enough for dinner and there was enough for breakfast tomorrow morning and lunch and dinner and on and on and on and on and on, month after month, always enough. And yet the senses, what they could see and feel, there was never enough, but there was always enough. And that's what I want to finish on, that within you is this love of God revealed in Jesus in you through the Holy Spirit. And as you choose to give that love away in the same fashion as Jesus did, though you feel you're reaching to nothingness, you will find you have enough. And there will be enough in every hour and enough in every day and every week. But maybe you'll never sense. You'll never realize that the fullness of the Holy Trinity lives in you. I couldn't handle that if I could feel it. And so I don't feel it. I take it by faith in his word and in the power of the Holy Spirit I give love. I've been doing that to you for the last hour. If I thought about it, I would never do it. I'd die of terrifying, I, I don't know. I, I, to think that I'm talking to you, an eternal being concerning the life of God in you, I should run and hide under a bed. But by faith I sat down here to give to you the love of God. And would you believe it? There's always been enough to give. Okay.
Next week, I want to start where we've just left off and spend the whole hour discussing how we give the love of God to others. And now, the blessing of God who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May the Holy Spirit who is yours be released within your whole being that you might see the truth of these words and may be enabled to love even as you have been loved. So I bless you and declare you blessed. Amen.